Welcome to the weekly sermon by Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our special speaker. Uh, no, anyway, so this weekend, uh, like I said, the theme is DNA. And so what we wanted to talk today about is DNA. And uh, I think to start it off, I, I wanted to tell a story about what Jeannie and I, Jeannie and I did recently. We actually... Um, did DNA testing through Ancestry.com. Has anybody done that in here? Anybody? Yeah, is it, was anybody surprised? Anybody surprised? Maybe, maybe not. Well, we were surprised. Yeah. Really, we, really uh, we were. were surprised. So in my entire upbringing, um, I grew up in Oklahoma, and I was told that I am 30% Native American, and... Um, the rest, I'm Irish and Scottish, and it makes sense to me. Um, my hair's kind of dark, but I got freckles and, you know, red beard, that, or well, actually, this part's white. It's kind of gray, yeah. It's, yeah. it's all those years of being a youth pastor. I think so, yeah. But um, it, it just made sense because we grew up in Oklahoma, and um, the the... Indian reservations are in Oklahoma. Lots of them. Lots of them. And in fact, my dad was the first generation off the reservation. My dad, my dad was. And he went to college and everything. And, and uh, so he kind of pulled the family off, off the reservation. Um, so I, I knew Native American is there. Um, but... And the Irish part, you know, because there was, I don't know if you guys know Oklahoma history, but there were a lot of Irish in the land run in 1907, or, or 18-something. 1907, they became a state. It's been a while since I've taken Oklahoma history. So. <laughs> um, but anyway, there were a lot of Irish in that, um, in that land run, so the expectation was there. But this is the results that uh, I've got, actually, um, 51%. England, Wales, and Northwestern Europe. I, that was a complete and utter surprise to me. I don't even like tea. <laughs> I, well, I like sweet tea, but yeah, I don't know if that counts sweet as tea. tea. Sweeter the better. Yeah, gotcha. So like John, I was raised, I was actually raised in Kansas. Uh, it was just probably 20 minutes from Oklahoma. Um, and really deep in the Indian culture. I am actually a, a call Indian. I'm on the call tribal role. I was at powwows, you know, all that fabulous stuff. Used to run around saying native pride, you know. Um, anyway, so when I took mine, I actually had wished that I didn't. Mine up there. Yeah, look at Janie's. Yeah. So it, it really, John was kind of excited about his. I was not. Um, it impacted me differently. Found out I'm only 6% native and uh, 76 English and Wells. Hello. I was shocked. I was shocked. I don't even know where Wells is. Well, I don't have Wells, a blow Wells hole. Are, yeah, they, they come up and blow water. Maybe Simple. that's what's wrong with my brain. <laughs> But, you know, I remember uh, we were, act Jeannie and I were actually, shortly after this, we're driving down the road, uh, driving down the highway, 59, I think we were on, and you were real quiet, and Jeannie's normally, she keeps the conversation going. I'm the quiet guy, 
and she's always got something to say. And she didn't have anything to say today, so it was real quiet in the car, and, you know, I looked over, and, and I just said, you know, what's, what's going on? And uh, she looks at me, just sad, puppy dog eyes, and says, I don't even know who I am. Yeah. Sad moment. It really was. I, um, I didn't know who I was. I, I know that might seem weird to you, but I didn't know who I was. And I was lost, and I actually was broken. I mean, for what, two or, two or three months, I cried. I mean, if you said DNA test, I just bawled because I was so lost. You know, I'm supposed to be native, and, and I was just lost and confused and broken. And I don't know if anybody's ever went through that, but this, this DNA thing this weekend that we're teaching right now is going to help you. I promise. Yeah. It will. You know, one day we'll probably find out there'll be this great scandal report <laughs> that all these tests are fake. Yes. So, I so, agree. Yes. That'll work. I'm so, good with that. Hang on, hang on to Native that. Native pride. Hang on to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it is, you know, it, it is interesting how tied, how connected to our backgrounds we are and, and how we can form our, our identity um, by those backgrounds and by where we grew up and, you know, what town we grew up, uh, the family, what our family was like, what our ethnic group is. Right. And, right. and we allow that to form us. And, and there's really nothing wrong with that. No. There's really nothing wrong with that because we are human beings, right? Um, but there's also another piece of that, though, and that is the spiritual side of us. And I, th I think the sad thing is that there are a lot of people in the world, some Christians included, that may go through their entire life without fully understanding their true identity. And we can go through, just like Jeannie going through till she's 39, Again. To where she finds again, out again, again, that again. she is, you know, not Native American. And we can also, people can also go through their entire lives not fully understanding their true identity, where we came from. And so um, that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to talk about God's DNA. Bum, bum, bum. All right. So first... Um, what we got to do is we've got to go back to the beginning and uh, we're going to go back to the original identity theft. So in the beginning, um, we all know man was made in God's image. We understand that? There we go. All right. I, yeah, there we go. See, that was a cool slide. It's perfect opportunity. Um, <clears throat> but we were made in God's image and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were so connected to God. They had no shame. They walked around naked, no shame, right? And God came in the garden every evening. They spent time together. Um, they talked. They just had, like you and I are right here, right. having a conversation right. with God, face to face with God. And this is the life they lived. And they knew their identity. They knew their purpose. And the reason why they knew that is because of that connection to the Father. And they, they understood it. 
And that identity was there. They were to tend the garden. They were to subdue the earth, take care of the animals. That's, that's their job. And to commune with God. That's what they're, in the simplest terms, that was it. Take care of the garden, commune with God. But we all, we know how it turned out. The, serp, the serpent came in, tempted Eve and Adam, and he, he ruined it. He ruined it for them. Because when they ate that forbidden fruit, suddenly shame came in, right? right. They sinned. They became ashamed. They hid in the bushes. They hid from God. And, you know, things changed in their relationship with the Father at that moment. It changed. And, you know, it wasn't God that led them out of the garden. It was an angel that led them out of the garden. So things changed in that relationship. There was no longer this intimacy that was there. And they lost their authority. Now, we'll, we'll talk about authority here in, here in a little bit, but, you know, from that moment, actually before that moment, we've got to remember that God always had a plan. Right. We, don't, we don't understand everything. Derek had a great message last night God. on, you know, God's ultimate plan to have relationship with man. Um, but God had this plan, and it began going in motion, and it took thousands of years. But it culminated with Jesus. That's when this plan culminated. When Jesus came, he accomplished several things. But some of the important ones are, there are three important things that Jesus did uh, when he came. One, he won back our authority, right? Which gives us our identity, right? He taught us how to walk in our authority, which gives us our purpose, correct? And then he reintroduced us to our heavenly father, which takes us back to the intimacy that we have with God. That's right, that's right. So not only did Jesus teach us how to walk in our authority, but he also won back our authority when he died on the cross and was raised again. To understand this, we must understand how we lost our authority in the first place. Paul put it like this. Romans 6, 16 says, Do you not know that whom you present yourselves as slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience living to righteousness. So when Adam and Eve submitted to the serpent, they surrendered their authority to him. Uh, we can see in Luke 4 that Jesus was actually tempted in the wilderness. Then the devil, taking him high on a mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you'll worship me, all will be yours. And that's in Luke 4, 5 through 6. So the key phrase in this passage is, for this has been delivered to me, Satan said. I mean, it's delivered to Satan. So you can't give something you don't have. How many of you guys have heard that? You can't give something you don't have. So Satan would have never made that offer to Jesus if he had no authority over the earth. And who delivered it to him? Adam and Eve by one bite of a fruit. So Satan had stolen authority over the earth. And Jesus, of course, needed to win it back. He wasn't going to, um, he wasn't going to uh, get 
the rule over the earth that Satan wanted. He had to win it back the right way. And, of course, we know how it turned out. He resisted Satan, right? Um, he died on the cross. He was raised again. He regained authority. There is a scripture, Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go, right? So we all know that one. And so that is Jesus saying that I've got the authority back. I'm giving it to you. And it was by his blood that we were redeemed. And now we have, those of us who are in Christ Jesus have Jesus' blood. Yes. Flowing through our veins. Yes. That's God's DNA, yes. isn't it? So if we've got God's DNA. Rock on. Rock on. We ought to be a whole lot like God, huh? Yeah, but, but see, like Jeannie and I, not really understanding our history, our DNA history, our genealogical history, um, a lot of people don't understand that, like I said before. They don't know who they are. They don't understand their place in God's family. To, to some people, being a Christian means uh, just going to church. Yeah, true. Right? Just going to church and, you know, trying to act right, mm -hmm. things like that. And some people don't even understand Christianity, right? Because they've not been introduced to a relationship with the Father. Maybe they've not even been to church. So they don't understand their place in God's family. But if you, if you look at the Old Testament, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about our place in God's family. It's one of the things that Jesus came to do, and that was to reintroduce us to the, fa uh, the Father. In the Old Testament, um, God had several names. Do you guys know, know those names? El Shaddai, right? Jehovah Rapha, right? right? Jehovah Jireh. We, we know all those names. But one of those names in the Old Testament um, was not Father. It wasn't Father. Because this is a progression that God's taking us to, right? After the fall, there's this progression back into this relationship. And it wasn't until Jesus came on the scene, he's baptized by John the Baptist, and God says, this is my beloved son, right? And suddenly we see a different relationship taking place. And Jesus reintroduced us to the Father. He always called him Father, didn't he? He called him Father. And when we are in Christ, aren't we children of God as well? So, so today we're going to go through five principles. That's right. Yep. Because, because even though we understand God as Father, yeah. um, even though we understand that, there's a process that we go through. You, don't, you just don't wake up one day and say, I'm a child of God, and you're suddenly doing everything that God does, exactly the way God does. Wouldn't it be nice to just wake up and bam, you're all oh, that'd holy? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Easier that'd for me, great. that's for sure. 
But today, what we're going to do is we're going to go through five principles. Now, there's a, there's a whole lot to being more like God, being more like Christ. There's a whole lot to it. It's a process. But today, we're going to go through five of them. And... Um, that, that we think is going to be, they're going to be helpful to walking out our identity as God's children. Okay? So the first principle is develop new attitudes. Can I try that again? Develop new attitudes. Yay! It's magical. Such power. Such power. Okay. So attitudes. We talked about that this weekend, didn't we? Attitudes. Yes, Miss Jeannie. Okay. So, Romans 12, 2, I love the Passion Translation, just so y'all know. Passion Translation is like one of my favorites, so this is out of that one. Uh, Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. So, There was a time when my attitude wasn't so great. Uh, We had been married for around seven years and had little munchkins running around. And um, we were youth pastors at a denominational church. And uh, they had, the pastor had wanted to groom my husband to be a pastor in that denomination. He also worked a full-time job at a place called Smith Tool. So he was gone for that job, anywhere between eight and to 10 hours a day. He'd come home, clean up, and be gone to the church to be groomed, to be a pastor. And I was young, and let's be honest, I was angry because I have all these little rugrats running around with snot and everything all over the nose, and I'm alone with them all day long. I love my rugrats. You were worth every minute of it. But it was rough, dude, it was rough. But so he would come in and leave and come in and leave and I'm there alone and I got angry and angrier and angrier and bitter and I just wasn't real nice to you. That's probably when I threw the pot pie upside down in your lunch container. Sorry. Anyway, so. It it was delicious. Sorry. So here's what happened. I just had a terrible attitude. I didn't like him. I loved him, but I didn't like him. I just wanted to smash his little face. And he's preaching one Sunday night, and I'm sitting in the back, and I'm watching him. And the whole time, I'm thinking, you think you're so smart. You're up there, and you're you're preaching to the church about the Word of God. And I'm sitting back here. If there was a way to leave you, I would be so gone. And I mean it. I was mad. I was ripping him to pieces back there. And... I haven't heard God's voice audibly very often. But God said, if your marriage fails, you're the reason. And dude, I was freaking out because I was like, ah! Anyway, so, um, you know, wrapped up service, went home. And I sat down and I talked to him and told him how I felt because I was hurting. I was alone. And I didn't have, when you got a lot of kids, you don't have many friends that's going to come hang with you. It just doesn't happen. And I was lonely, and I was hurting, and I sat down and shared it to him. This so happened down the street. There was a revival at a different church, and, and we knew the pastor. And so we went that night and went up front for prayer, and uh, God just zapped us. Both hit the ground. Um, 
When I woke up, all that anger and that bitterness was gone. God just removed years of that out of me. And he showed John how I felt and that he wasn't supposed to be gone all the time. He was supposed to be the husband, my protector, my, my love. He was supposed to be the father of our children. And it was from that moment that I believe our marriage totally changed. And uh, I just want to tell you, I have an amazing husband. And my children have the best father ever because he's so patient and kind. And I'm a spaz, and most of my children are spazzes. So he's very patient. <laughs> anyway, so here's what happened, I believe. I believe you watch TV, and, and you go to movies, and you hear people talk. And men, there's some women that a man could never be what they want him to be. doesn't matter how hard the man tries. And I think I kind of got in this cycle that John was not the man that I wanted. And it's so easy to just walk away, right? Isn't that what we see in the movies and stuff? They just walk away. Actually, we see that a lot in life. The going gets tough, they leave. And I think I had the world running around in my brain. And in all honesty, if you don't get direction from the word, you'll get direction from the world. Amen. And that's a bad place to be. Good stuff. Thank you. Thanks for listening to God. Anytime. Anytime. <clears throat> yes. And that's, a, that's the thing. Developing new attitudes, all we got to do is be open, don't we? That's right. We just have to be open. We just have to be willing and, and able. It's not something we got to force ourselves into. We just allow God to do the work in us. So the second principle is this. The devil needs our assistance. The devil needs our assistance. He doesn't have any power and authority. Jesus took that away from him. So the only thing he gets is what we give him, right? Right? I, I, I tell the teens, all he has is a whisper. That's all he's got. He will whisper in your ear. He will send somebody your way who's got something to say. And he'll say, see, think that way. And when that happens, if we allow we can actually assist him into doing damage, can't we? Definitely. We can do that. So um, the best way I, I've witnessed, experienced, that, that the devil can um, use our assistance is through our mouths, the things that we say, yeah. right? Um, so Proverbs 15:4 says this, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. I could probably just stop there. I mean, that's, that's some good stuff, right? Wholesome tongue's a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Man, how many times have we um, probably done that? Broken the spirit just by things that we have said. And the reason why that is is because God puts, has put creative power in our words, in our tongue. He, he created us with that we because we're made in his image and when he when he built the or when he made the earth he created the earth he built it but when he created the earth he said it right 
God said, let there be light, and there was light. So, so this is nothing brand new to us. Um, but we have that same creative force in us because we're made in the image of God. And we can actually use our mouths to encourage people. Um, we can provide direction. We can inspire vision. We can do things like that. We can give hope to people, right? Uh, we can bring healing. You know, some of, these are some of the things we can do with our mouths. But we can also um, use our mouths to bring discouragement, um, hopelessness, despair. We can bring all of those things with the things that we say. And if we're not careful, um, the enemy can use that in us to do that and set some bad things in motion. And I want to I go through a story in Mark chapter 11 that kind of drives this home. And this is... You know, Jesus really showing us the power of a tongue in authority. All right? So in Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 11, uh, it says this. Um, the next day, as he left Bethany, Jesus was feeling hungry. He noticed a leafy fig tree in the distance, so he walked over to see if there was any fruit on it, but there was none. Only leaves, for it wasn't yet the season for bearing figs. Jesus spoke to the fig tree, saying, No one will ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples overheard him. So that's verse 12 through 14. Then he goes in, turns some tables over, does some stuff. But we'll, we'll skip back. We'll skip down to verse 20. And it says, In the morning they passed by the fig tree, and Jesus spoke that Jesus spoke to, and it was completely withered from the roots up. Peter remembered and said to him, Teacher, look, that's the fig tree you cursed. Now it's all shriveled up and dead. And Jesus replied, Let the faith of God be in you. Another version says, Have faith in God. I like this one. Let the faith of God be in you. Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. Now, we've all heard this story, but I, to be real honest, this story has bugged me for a long time. And the reason why it bugged me is because we have Jesus who is always speaking life. Jesus came. He brought life. Jesus came. I came so that you may have life and life to the full. And he, through his mouth, he's bringing healing. He's revealing the Father to people. He is forgiving people. Why on earth would he do that to that fig tree? Why would he do that? And especially knowing that they specified in Scripture that it wasn't the season for figs. Now, you're not going to tell me Jesus wasn't smart enough to understand right. it wasn't the season for, pig, for figs. Pigs. Pigs. Figs. Well, in, in Jerusalem, there was Boink. never the season for pigs. <laughs> but, so, so it always bugged me, why would, why would he curse the fig tree? But I, I think this is the reason why. I think the reason why is because he wanted to teach a lesson. 
And, and he hid it ever so slightly. And Jesus does that. There's, there's Easter eggs all through the Bible. And I think this is one of those Easter eggs. And, and, it's, and it's this. When he went up to that fig tree, he had, there was an expectation for a fruit that wasn't yet in season. Right? So he's going up. It's not the season for this fruit. And he walks up and he sees that it's not there yet. And so he curses a fig tree and it dies. Now, I think the reason why that story is in there is because there's a lot of times in our lives where we are looking for a fruit that is not yet in season. It can be in a relationship. It can be financially. It can be, you name it. It can be in breakthroughs. And the season for that fruit is not yet there. Maybe we sowed the seed. It's not there yet. And we walk up to it. We don't see it. And so what do we do? I guess it's not going to happen. Right? And we can kill that thing. Yeah. We'll kill the source of that fruit, even though the, the seed has been planted. And so I think this is the reason why this is the reason why Jesus put this in here. And I think it's important for us to understand that God is in charge of when the fruit comes into season. Right. Amen? And we are not. And so if, we're, if it's not on our timetable, that's okay. We just wait. That's right. We just keep going because we don't want to assist the devil. Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. So then principle number three is doubt never answers. Doubt never answers. Uh, when we were in Guatemala, I overheard my husband talking to Larry and Marla Johnson um, about uh, my mission field. This is weird, guys. My mission field is Walmart. And it's, it's really true. It's really weird. But it's really true because that is the place that I talk probably to the most people. Uh, I guess I'm there so much. Sorry. Anyway, so um, this... The story I wanted to, another chapter in my book, um, I really do need to write a book, just saying. Another chapter in my book is one of the biggest problems, in all honesty, that I have is walking up to very nice-dressed people, very smart-looking people. Um, I would be like, shopping, you know, and then got to go, boom. And I would see them, chick wearing a really nice dress and heels, and I'd be going, no! Because why on earth would they want to talk to me? I mean, I'm always in holy jeans or holy shorts and flip-flops and t-shirts, and this, this is me, guys. This is me dressed up. You're welcome. Anyway, <laughs> um, but it was really hard for me to walk up to them, and uh, in November, Cody, our daughter, bought the lock. Uh, it's an escape room. And she needed some help. And so she asked me to come help with some corporate events. And in these events, we're like really, really educated. We're talking the big wigs in the companies, the people that I should be terrified of. And you know what? They're just like me. They're just like me. They make stupid jokes and everything. 
And it was through that that God showed me, if I show you someone to pray for, it's not you they need to talk to, it's me. And so because of that, he allowed me to walk up to anybody. I don't care what they look like. I'm still a little more comfortable with the biker people. But that's okay. It doesn't bother me with the, with the well-dressed people. I just want to do what God wants. Because when I would walk away and not talking to someone, my heart would ache. My heart, you know how that feels. And I never want to disappoint my daddy. Because my daddy is so good to me. So, James 1, 5 through 6 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberty, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The scripture isn't just about asking for wisdom. It's a spiritual principle that there is no place for doubt in the kingdom. And my loving father knew that I wanted to talk to those people. And so he gave me that opportunity. And I don't ever want to miss that again. You know, sometimes we can, when God puts a burden on our heart, we can kind of doubt that he actually wants us to do that. Yeah. We start doubting it's that so because of insecurity, just so like easy. that. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go to principle number four, and that's don't negate your authority. Um, I like this one. You know, we talked about authority. Um, I'm big on authority um, and big on understanding that God's here. We're here and the devil is. Wait a minute. Yeah, sometimes we don't understand that, right? Um, especially when the heat's on. Right? And sometimes we don't understand that. But we, we actually have a mandate from Jesus, and uh, he has given us this authority, and it's out of Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, and it says this, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Yes. Okay, so if he didn't want us to do these things, why on earth would he tell us to do it? Amen. Right? So he's given us this authority. Heal the sick. He's given us that authority. Cleanse the lepers. There's not too many of those around. True. Yeah. Insert any disease there. Okay. Raise the dead. Haven't done that one yet. No. That would be cool. And cast out demons. These are things that Jesus told us to do. But just like the last thing you talked about in doubting, doubt never answers. Sometimes when God calls us to do things like this and God gives us an opportunity, we can begin to doubt. And I think a big reason why is because we doubt our authority and our position because we don't fully understand it. And one thing I, t I teach the teens when we pray, because we pray for healing a lot in, yes. in youth group. But one thing I teach them when we pray is that we're not putting our faith in our ability to heal somebody. We're putting our, our faith in what Jesus already accomplished in the cross. He already did it. So all we got to do, all he's asked us to do is to use our authority right. 
and bring it into motion. Right. And so, <clears throat> but I struggle too. A um, couple weeks ago, or was it three weeks ago we were in Guatemala? That was when, when we were in yeah, Guatemala. The Only days just kind of together. go together. Um, but we were in Guatemala and, you know, we went and helped in the feeding centers and things like this. But one thing that was uh, important to me was to actually go out and do street ministry. And to be real honest, um, I'm petrified when we do street ministry. I, I have a hard time with it because I'm, you might not know it, you may, if you, if you know me well. I'm kind of introverted. I really, I'm not a guy that's going to go to a party and just, hey, everybody. I'm, I'm just not that kind of guy. And just to go out on the street and just begin meeting people and strike up conversations and pray for them and share the gospel with them is very difficult, very difficult for me. But I felt like it was important to take the team to that. And so I, we got with Larry Marlowe and uh, talked to him about it. They wanted us to go to a mall in Chikamula. And so we went to a mall on a Wednesday night. Uh, but before then, uh, what, before we go out, what we like to do is we get together and we begin praying. And we just pray for our time together. And we were, we were doing the prayer. And, you know, we laid out some paper and said, you know, if something comes to you, uh, write it down. Like, you know, if God shows you a picture of a person, uh, write that down. Write it down. You may be wrong, but you may be right, right? And, you know, if you get a phrase or something, and so we're praying, and I, I get the phrase coming up in my spirit. I get the phrase, bench by a tree. And immediately I think, we're in a mall. We're going to a mall. We're not going to a park. So, eh. And so I keep on praying, but bench by a tree comes back, and I just can't shake it. So finally, I just went over and just kind of reluctantly wrote it down and went back to praying and didn't think much about it after that. So skip forward, we're at the mall. We're walking through the mall. It's a nice mall, um, really nice mall in Chickamoola. Uh, great stores, lots of people. They had Toy Story 4 was out, and so... You know, it was packed. Yeah. There were a lot of people in line. We got to pray for some of those people. But anyway, we're walking around. And, and remember, I'm petrified at this moment because I'm leading a team to go street ministry, and I don't want to do it. I just don't want to, but I know it's important to do. And God wanted us to do that. So I'm, I'm walking through and, you know, just kind of, sizing people up. You ever done that? When you go to pray for people, size them up a little bit. And uh, so, so I saw this guy, and, and I don't speak uh, very good Spanish at all. Um, I'm getting better, but I don't speak very good Spanish right now. And uh, so I see this guy, and I tell Larry, hey, let's go talk to this guy. We split up in teams by now. Larry's the translator for our group, Mary's the, er, Marla. Marla's a translator for their, I don't know, Larry and Mary, it just sounds better. Um, <clears throat> if you're watching Larry and Marla, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, we split up in the groups. Larry's my translator, so I walk up, and uh, so I, I say, Larry, you know, ask this guy um, his story. And so Larry starts talking to him, and he looks at me, and he goes, I speak English. And I'm like, all right. 
we can do this. And so he ends up, he's a colonel in the army, uh, Guatemalan army, and speaks really good English. He's a Christian. And so we, you know, I'm feel, feeling a little better. And, um, you know, we go through the conversation and everything's good. Pray for him. And then we turn around. And um, as soon as we turn around, I lock eyes with a woman that's sitting there. And she's got a cast on her foot. She's sitting down. She's got a cast and got crutches uh, propped up next to her. And God says, that one. And I'm like, okay, well, now we got to go through a healing, right? So this is now, not only am I talking to a stranger, now I've got to come up with the stuff, right? Pressure's on. See, sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves when we shouldn't. Right. Um, so anyway, I just say, Larry, this is the one. Let's go talk to this lady. And so we walk over there, and uh, through Larry, you know, I ask her what happened to her, her leg, and uh, she had fallen down the stairs and broke her foot. And so I said, you know, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. And I said, you believe in God? She said, yes. And I said, well, do you know Jesus? She said, no. And I said, okay, well, Jesus is going to heal you today. So this is a statement of faith, right? Jesus is going to heal you right. today. And, you know, God's reputation's on the line. That's how I'm feeling, right? And so I just start praying. I lay hands and I say, Lord, um, this is what you tell us to do. This is what I'm doing. So I start speaking, healing over her foot. And uh, so after a while, I, you know, I look at Larry and I say, well, ask her how it feels. So we ask her how it feels. And she says, caliente. And I know enough Spanish to know that means hot. So um, I, I don't know if a lot of you guys know this, but a lot of times when God begins healing somebody, they will feel heat. And so I knew that there's a healing going on in her foot. And so my faith is, <laughs> you know, how it goes. Uh, but anyway, long story short, um, she was sitting on the, on the bench next to another lady. Uh, we led both of them to Jesus. Um, you know, Larry, Larry was able to direct them toward a church. And um, we got done praying, you know, with them and everything, talked to them. And I stood up, got ready to walk away, and I looked, and right behind, she's sitting on a bench, and right behind her is a tree inside a mall. I mean, this is what God does. And this is, you know, this is God's way, really, I think, of telling me, hey, just do what I ask you to do, you know? Because if God calls you to do something, it's not that he has your back. It's that he's already there. That's right. He's already there. He's got somebody there. He just needs a willing participant right. to take his blessing to them. Amen? Right. Don't negate your authority. That's right. All right. Oh, I've got a quote. Yeah, don't forget that. Yeah, this My is favorite. an important quote. So this is from Bill Johnson. It says, written in the DNA of every believer is an appetite for the impossible. The Holy Spirit, the one who raised Christ from the dead, lives in us. Isn't that awesome? You know, we got to keep that in mind. That's right. And we do have an appetite for the impossible. Because God placed that in us through his DNA. Right. All right. right. So the last principle is do not accept defeat. Isaiah 40, 29, 31 says, He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases faith. 
Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I love this scripture when I'm tired. When y'all are tired, go to Isaiah 40 and just read 29 through 31. It's so refreshing. You just feel it washing over you as you read it. Just keep reading it until you feel it, man. Just keep doing it. Um, I think one of the worst things with people that choose to follow Jesus is they think, I'm going to accept Christ, and then my life is going to be fabulous, right? But that's not true, because Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy you. So it was the year we actually started at this church, which was 2011, uh, March 28th, our youngest daughter came, came to me and uh, told me she'd been molested. And um, it was a day, I remember the day, because it just changed our whole family dynamics at that point. And I had, you know, Christian, my daughter Christian, uh, was so heavy with guilt because it had almost happened to her. And she didn't protect Kina, so she was so heavy with guilt. And then my sweet, sweet Cody, that is just so full of love, was angry and bitter and wanted to hurt the person that did it. And of course, Kina was destroyed. And uh, also, during that time in April, my mother had had surgery and almost died. Uh, five months after that, Cody's best friend was 16 years old. I don't know, some of you guys don't know me, but kids, teens become my babies. They're my babies. And Cody's best friend's name was Sarah, and she was always at our house. Like 10 years of always at our house. 16 years old, killed in a car crash. Five months after that, we buried our grandson. And approximately eight months after that, Kena tried to kill herself. And, you know, we've been youth pastors for years. And our family was built on faith. And our family was built on God. And our families was built knowing that God was always there, always there. And I'm watching my children doubt and fall away. And it was killing me. It was killing me. And there was one time I was in my car. And I know people say don't yell at God. But you know what? He knows. He knows what you're thinking. Whether you yell out loud or not. When I was yelling, I was going, where are you? Where are you? Look at my family. We've laid down everything for you. We've given up everything for you. And a voice came in my head that said, John 10.10. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, and to you overflow. So it is my belief and my experience with my testimony that the closer you get with God, the more Satan's after you. And he's not afraid to use your children because he knows your weak link. And he did. And we're on the other side of that now because Satan just ticks me off. I mean, he's done more things in our family. But now we know 
we're going to be okay because he's, he's there. He's already preparing us an escape route. We're fine. We don't need to freak out. We just need to step, and he'll show us another step, and we step. Be patient and wait. But it's through our lives that I've learned faith is actually spelled D-O-N apostrophe T, Q-U-I-T. Some of you in this room may be ready to give up, but I promise just through what you heard and through what you've seen the teens do, I pray that you see the pressure, whatever you're going through, it'll pass. It'll pass, and you will get to the other side. You have a a loving Heavenly Father that, that loves you. And I wanted to share, I wanted to share a, a thing that I do. I've, I've talked to the teens about it. You know, in the morning, I always like to go pray and, and, and worship the Lord. It's just, if I don't get that time, I'm kind of grouchy, sorry. But um, there's times when I'm really struggling, when I'm really battling, that in the afternoon, I'll disappear and I will go in my bedroom and shut the door and I will turn up on worship music and I will sing to the top of my lungs and I will praise him and I will thank him and I will stay there until his presence engulfs me and that peace is granted and flows over me. I can feel it right now. And it's that peace and that strength that makes me get up leave that room and go out and kick Satan's butt. And that is the truth. And that is what I want to do in my life. I want to kick his butt and I want to bring so many people to Jesus. That's what I'm called to do. Even if I'm a goofball, it happens. Amen. So don't let what happens to you affect what's in you. He's so smart. Yeah, I heard that somewhere. Probably Scott. Scott probably said that. <laughs> All right, so we've looked at five principles of living with God's DNA. So here they are. Develop new attitudes. The devil needs our assistance. Doubt never answers. Don't negate your authority and do not accept defeat. I think the, the most important thing to remember through all of this is that you are a child of God and he loves you. He loves you today, he loved you yesterday, he loved you the day before that. He will love you tomorrow and on through for eternity because that's who he is. And you're his child. You're his child. Those of you who are parents understand the love for a child. And this is our Heavenly Father. And he loves us more than we even love our own children. So our theme scripture for Reality Weekend is this. It's Romans 8.16. It says this. You got it on the screen? Almost. It'll be there in a second. I have faith. It's It's there. Yes, it's it's a beautiful. (laughs) This is actually out of the uh, Passion Translation, and it's written so amazing. It's it's almost as though Scott Hale himself wrote it. Um, It's just worded so great. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Don't forget that. 
if if you if you remember if you don't remember anything that we talked about today and and we've been very vulnerable today we have we've we've kind of just laid it out here and the reason why is because we believe that we're not the only ones that go through this stuff we're not the only ones that have these feelings have these things happen in our lives and you know we're all in this together because we are his children and God wants us to have the best life ever. And that comes when we have an intimate relationship with him. Right. So uh, I'm going to invite the prayer partners uh, to come up. And I'm just going to say, um, say a quick prayer. And, and I just, you know, just really want to give everyone here an opportunity. Um, if something we have said has affected you in some way, um, and God has talked to you. God has spoken to you about an area in your life. Maybe you're feeling like giving up, or maybe you're doubting, or, or something like that. Um, you know, let's take care of that today. Right. Let's do that today. And just, just realize that we are children of God, and things are going to happen. We live in a fallen world, but that should never affect our identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. Well, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for this weekend. Thank you, Father, for the teens and, and just all the teachers and everything that's happened throughout um, the weekend in their hearts, in our hearts. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you are our loving Father, and we're, we happen to be in this age of grace where we can have an intimate relationship with you through our entire lives. And Father, I, I speak, Father, to, to any distractions, any, any discouragement, any loss of hope. And, and I just speak life over those experiencing that right now. And I say... That, Lord, that your anointing is going to flow over them. That your love and your peace and your joy is going to fill hearts. And, Father, I'm asking, Lord, that you will give us hope. That you will give us encouragement. And you will give us, Lord, just an understanding that you have created everything. Nothing's a surprise to you. And all we have to do is lean into you, Father God. Because all things work together for the good of those who are called by you and who love you. And Lord, we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.